Beautiful. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Good to see you guys. Thanks for coming to church today. Can you believe that we are at the end of July? Feels like we just started 2016 and, and now we're seven months all over uh, in the year and uh, summer is about ready to be over. And uh, for some of us, that's a bummer. For some of us, that's amazing. And uh, we've had, we've had a, an exceptional summer here. Uh, one of the things that's been really strong about our uh, summer has been what's been happening in our student ministry uh, through this summer. It's been amazing. And uh, we've, uh, we, just, we just got our big group went to motion uh, to a huge conference. We took, I think, close to 60 people, 45 students uh, to motion conference. 14,000 people gathered in an auditorium uh, worshiping God, getting touched by heaven. And I mean, you know, those, those moments uh, where you set aside time just to really go after God and get together and just get encouraged and strengthened, powerful, just so powerful. And so uh, I'm pretty thrilled about what's happening in the next generation. And uh, maybe they're the now generation, the ones that are on fire right now. And yes, and uh, 20, uh, I think half of this group was uh, our high school internship, uh, which had a great summer uh, where we invested into a bunch of aspiring high schoolers and they did uh, a, a lot of great work uh, investing into themselves, going to this conference. Uh, a bunch of them, uh, they all went down to Atlanta to work at, with the Dream Center there, to, to work with uh, the down and out uh, and, and know, let them know that God has a dream for their life. And uh, just amazing, so good. You, you could be excited. Amen, you could. It would be worthwhile. Uh, this next weekend coming up, uh, we always through the summer have for the past few years had what we call Saturday Servolution Days. And this Saturday coming up uh, is our last one of the summer uh, where we are going to Trinity Place. And uh, it's going to be an amazing opportunity to invest. We really do believe in partnership and we believe in investing in uh, people who are serving and ministries that are serving our city we are here to make Asheville a better place. And yeah, amen. And the way that we do that is we actually show up. We bring our presence uh, to places that need us and need our presence and need our help. And so um, what we're doing with these uh, Saturdays is trying to give people an opportunity to see different ministries that we partner with all through the year so that they would possibly have the Holy Spirit speak to their heart and maybe they would be a part of serving all year long, not just on a Saturday in a summer. So I just would encourage you, uh, if you've not been part of one of our uh, Saturday Serving Saturdays this uh, summer, Summer Serving Saturdays, Silly Savage, um, then uh, that encourage you to, to be a part of that this weekend. And I also just want to say one more thing before I actually dive into my message. Uh, Suzette and I have taken a little bit of time off uh, this uh, summer, and I've come back and forth a few times, and we just had a, a great time to sort of get away and refresh and 
hang out together and, and have fun. And I, have, I watched the service last week of uh, our five-on-five, five, uh, the guys on our staff, and them just sharing their passion for the things that God has entrusted to them. And I thought they did a fantastic job. I really am thrilled with uh, what's happening to them. And you know, the, the truth is, uh, you guys hear me say this all the time, right? But I mean, life is a team sport. And uh, when you learn how to play team, that's when you learn how to win. And so uh, just grateful for the team uh, that is around us and just looking forward to the future. Uh, we're, we're in a series of messages walking through 2 Corinthians called Wide Open Spaces. And today I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but I want to take a few minutes and kind of set this up uh, before I read this passage of Scripture because I think it's really important and really timely uh, for where we are living right now July 31st, 2016, in the U.S. of A. Would you, would you agree with this, that we are living in some crazy days? Uh, I mean, this, it, is, it, is, it, it feels nuts uh, sometimes. It feels wild, and, and you know, you're looking at uh, the news, and you've just got your uh, Facebook feed open or your Instagram feed or whatever, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's just quite astonishing what's happening in this world uh, and what's happening in our country. Uh, I think race relations are strained at an unbelievable level, and uh, people uh, that are of different ethnic groups are trying to figure out how to work with each other, live with each other, love each other, and some, some are not doing that well. Uh, and, it's, and, and you look out in our country and, and you go, there's something more to this than just a black guy and a white guy uh, or, uh, or an Asian guy or a Muslim guy, uh, that there's, there's some kind of spiritual thing happening, um, you know, that, that, is, that is pushing this to take place. And then, then police relations are strained. And I don't ever remember uh, the day being like it is today where people have taken such a strong stand on one side or the other concerning policemen. And, uh, and, and, you know, we're watching this strain take place. And, and as I said earlier, you, you know, if, you don't, if you're not a black guy, you don't know what it's like to be a black guy. And if you're not a policeman, you don't know what it's like <laughs> to be a policeman. And, and you know, you, it, it's very difficult to make assumption or, or actually a lot of people make assumptions, but it's very difficult to get a real accurate read on the pressure somebody faces in the situation they're in if you are not walking in their shoes. But, but there's, there's just something that is happening. And then it feels like almost every week or two, we're hearing about some crazy terrorist attack that's taking place, uh, you know, in the U.S. or in Germany or uh, in France and just, just 
amazing, crazy stuff. Anybody glad you came to church today? Um, uh, <laughs> just trying to set this up for a moment. And then, come on, you have to admit, uh, this has literally got to be one of the craziest presidential elections that has ever, ever happened. I mean, it's just wild. It's crazy. And, uh, and it, these, are, these are amazing days to be alive. Uh, and here you are alive today, I believe, born for such a time as this. Amen. And there's struggle, there's trouble, there's pain, there's conflict, there's a lot of stuff going on. And if there ever was a day for the church to arise and to shine, it's got to be today. If, if there ever was a day for us to not play church, but if there ever was a day for us to rise up and be the church, not just go to church, be the church, it, today is that day. I mean, come on. When the world gets darkest, it's the church's day to shine brightest. When the world gets darkest, it's the church's day to shine brightness, brightest. And I want to read a passage that uh, has been kind of a, a guiding principle passage for me for quite a few years, maybe even decades now, but I honestly believe it speaks to where we are today like never before. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you. His glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. So lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons will come from afar, your daughters will be carried in the arms. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. I think it's just true that darkness, deep darkness, seems to want to cover the earth and cover the people of the earth. And I just want to say... You know, when you watch CNN, which all news is CNN, constant negative news, there, there's, no, there's, no, there, there's no one on any of the news channels that is reporting great things. They're all repeatedly reporting the darkness. And... I'm, I'm all for being aware and not sticking your head in the sand, but I promise you it is not good for your soul to just live feeding yourself constantly their 
regurgitation, excuse my language, they're vomiting over and over and over again of all the darkness that is happening in the earth. And then make sure that you're aware of every tiny little thing that has ever happened. Again, no, we're not putting our head in a sand, but I'm just, I'm just saying to you, in, in the very moment that darkness seems to be rising and darkness seems to be happening almost at an unprecedented level, that is our day to shine. I like, I like what the Bible says. I love the fact that God has a big butt. Don't you? Come on. It's like darkness, deep darkness covers the face of the earth. But right in the midst of all of that, the Lord will rise upon you. So while, while the world gets darker, it is the church's call to get brighter. <laughs> You know, while, while all of this crazy stuff is going on, this is our day to rise and shine. You can thank God that you are part of his church because his church is the answer for this world. It is the plan that God has for reaching this planet. There is not another plan. His plan is not government. Amen. His, his, his plan is the church. And this is our day to, to stand up and to bring answers. To, and we do have an answer. This is our day to bring faith. This is our day to bring hope. This is our day to bring love. Come on, faith, hope, love. That's, that's what we have to offer, right? This is our day to bring encouragement. This is our day to bring light. This is our day to bring blessing. Come on, guys. This church, this is us. This is our day to bring some strength to what's happening. Don't even think for a moment that God doesn't have a plan of redemption up his sleeve. Don't think that God is watching CNN going, what am I going to do? Just what am I going to do about all this? He's not worried. And don't even think for a moment that the church is not right at the center of God's plan for this planet. During our time uh, away, we, we got to have the opportunity to, to attend a couple of churches, and we love to go to different churches uh, just to see how much better we are than them. No, 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 that's not even true. Actually, they're better than we are. <laughs> but... But I, what I love is we purposely chose to go to different kinds of churches than us. Uh, and, and I am blessed. I am amazed. I am encouraged to see that God is doing something great in and through his church in our great country. 
Come on, you can be excited about that. It's, uh, there's a lot of great stuff going on. And John 3, 16, you've heard of that one, haven't you? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Does, how does God feel towards the world? He loves this world. That whoever believes in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but he sent his son into the world that the world should be saved through him. I just want to remind you that God loves this world. God is not mad at this world. He loves this world. And I want to remind you that God loves people. He's not mad at people. He loves people. God is not sitting, these verses tell us, God is not sitting in judgment. It always alarms me when people stand up and some preachers or pastors or theologians stand up and somehow want to declare this thing happened as a judgment from God. No, Jesus took the judgment from God on himself. And it's none of it's the judgment of God. It might be the evil of man, but it's not the judgment of God. And I, I, want, us to, I want us to be crystal clear about this idea that God is not sitting in judgment over Asheville. God is, God is standing in salvation over Asheville. God is not sitting in judgment over the United States. He is standing in salvation. He, he didn't send his son to judge. He sent his son to save. Everybody say to save. To save. And that's his plan. That's where, he, that's, that's where God is headed. That's where God's agenda is. And if you want to get on point with God's agenda, then you want to get on point with salvation, with lifting, with love, with help. All right, now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I was just setting this one up. That's okay. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 through 6. Even if our gospel, our good news, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world, the spiritual forces at work in this world, have blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see See the light of the gospel, the good news, that's what the word gospel means, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord. That's a place to say amen right there. And ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Come on. Dark days are the best days. 
for light to shine. Somebody say that with me. Dark days are the best days for light to shine. Light shall shine out of darkness. He's the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This, this is to me is a, such an important concept for us to understand. Our gospel, our good news, our light, our message, our Jesus is veiled. The God, the Bible teaches that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. There is a spiritual battle going on over black lives matter, blue lives matter, over our election process, <laughs> over economy, over terrorism. Because I often think about this. How is it that you could say to someone, there is a God who loves you, who's for you, who wants to help you, who wants to bless you, who wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven, who has good things in his heart for you, all you've got to do is just engage in a relationship with him. How does somebody say no to that? I'll tell you how. The God of this world has blinded, veiled the minds of unbelievers so that they wouldn't see light. God has said Light is going to shine out of darkness. I'm going to bring you back to basic, but I want to bring you back to true. God's answer for this world is Jesus. And I'm not saying that as religious cliche. I'm saying that because God has shown a light into this world through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the demonstration of the love of God. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet running from God, cursing God, ignoring God, blaspheming God, whatever we were doing, God sent a demonstration of his love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave his best for the ungodly, which was all of us. All of us. He shone a light of love. And I just, I want to, I want to bring us to this. Jesus is the only one that really changes people's hearts. And if there ever was a need for hearts to be changed, today would be that day. A set of rules is not going to change anybody's heart. New legislation is not going to change anybody's heart. 
Your well-constructed argument is not going to change anybody's heart. An army marching on a land is not going to change anybody's heart. A political party is not going to change anybody's heart. A new law will not change anybody's heart. The only thing that really changes people's hearts is the person of Jesus Christ coming into their life. I'm just saying, when the lights come on, when, when you start to see Jesus for who he really is, and you open your heart to him, all of a sudden your heart will fill with the love of God. There would never be anything in you that would want to harm another person, that would want to do wrong to somebody else. You would be, now you, you, you're still human, I'm still human. Every once in a while you want to punch somebody in the throat. But when you love Jesus, you don't do it. Come on, the argument, you can make the argument. Black lives matter. They do. And now you can try to understand the oppression that black people feel and the fear that they feel running around in this world. And I understand why when somebody says all lives matter and they go, no, you don't understand what we're trying to say. Yes, all lives matter, but you don't understand what we're trying to say. And then you can make the argument blue lives matter because they do a lot. You can make the argument Donald Trump is a joke. But you could just as forcefully make the argument Hillary Clinton is a liar. I, I'm sorry. I'm just saying arguments win nothing. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching this to you, and I'll keep preaching it until Facebook goes away. But come on, a Facebook argument is not going to shine a light. You may not be able to read this, but outcome of political arguments on Facebook. Green would be you changed your mind. Blue would be they changed their mind. Red would be, no one changes anything and everyone's ticked off. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, can I just, I know, I know you want, I got my free speech, I want to say what I want to say. You can do that, but you're not winning anybody's heart. You're not really bringing an answer. The argument doesn't bring an answer. And everybody takes their stand on their argument and they feel validated in that. But I'm saying to you, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. There's a veil over them and there needs to be a revelation of Jesus. There needs to be that aha moment, that eyes opened moment that, oh, I see now 
You know, you, could be, you realize you get to know Christ by a revelation. He's, he's too amazing for our pea brain to figure out on its own. Even an argument about Jesus is not going to win anything. And I'm certainly up for good, clear conversation. And I'm up for good, clear thinking. But all I know is you got to get a revelation. You, you, it is a spiritual issue. It is not just a calculation of here are the facts that prove that Jesus is the Son of God. No, you got to have a revelation. Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi. He was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say. <laughs> you know what that's like, huh? Some say. I like saying everybody says. Everybody says means the three people you hang around with. <laughs> They're not Everybody. Come on. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood, natural, did not reveal. Everybody say reveal. You didn't figure this out, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And I say to you now that you are Peter, and upon this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not overpower it. The gates of hell will not overpower the darkness will not overpower the light. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The authority of heaven is given to the church. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The church is built on revelation. That's all we got. We're, we can't outdo Pixar or Disney World the church is built on revelation and I would submit to you that everything is built on revelation in other words it's built on the way you see it right you build your marriage the way you see it you, you build your parenting the way you see it Somebody else might see it different, but you build it the way you see it. You build your business the way you see it. You build your finances the way you see it. You build your relationships the way you see it. And I just want to remind us that we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And somewhere the lights have to come on. Somewhere a revelation has to come. Peter gets this revelation of Jesus, and out of that revelation of Jesus, he gets a revelation of himself. I just, I just want to keep us on this idea. We, we have to get a revelation of God. 
Our revelation of God builds the church. How do you see God? Do you see God as judgmental? Then you build the church that way. Do you see God as full of grace and truth? Then you build church that way. Do you see God as one who wants to prosper and flourish people? Then you build church that way. Do you see God as someone who wants to hold people down and keep them in poverty? Then you build church that way. Do you see God as confining and limiting and don't, can't, shouldn't? That's the nature of God. Or do you see God as liberating, one who gives dreams, one who gives visions, one who gives us wings to fly? However you see it is how you build it. Do you see God as harsh? Do you see God as loving? In the context of this revelation of God that Jesus is talking to Peter about, he gets a revelation of who he is. Who you are is who you are in Christ. I want to say that you, are, you will never discover your true identity because your, your identity is not whether you're black or white. Your identity is not whether you're a policeman or not. Your identity is not your sexuality. Your, your identity is not rich or poor. Your identity, I could make the list all day. Your identity is who you are in Christ, and you've got to find Christ to find you. You were made to find the fullness of your identity out of your relationship with God. When you find God, you find yourself. And it's, but it comes by a revelation. The God of this world is blinded. And even though God is loving and God is gracious and God is liberating, we don't experience that for ourselves until we get a revelation of ourselves in him. When we see our name in the revelations we get, that's when we experience the fullness of God in our life. Come on, healing is a revelation. You're not going to figure that out. Flourishing life is a revelation. You're not going to figure that out. You're not going to get all the pieces together. And I'm just, I, I think the compelling need for our world right now is we have got to realize that we can't just come to appreciate the facts about a great historical figure named Jesus. That a revelation of Jesus' magnificence has to spread across our nation, spread across our city. True worship, true living is birthed out of a spiritual revelation of the greatness of Jesus, out of the glory of God, out of the magnificence of Jesus. Come just saying, just appreciating a guy with a beard who walked around the shores of Galilee 2,000 years ago and taught some great things, it's got to be more than that. There's got to be a revelation of Jesus as the light 
that God has sent into darkness. He still is the light that comes in to this dark world. You know, some of you are around for this, some of you weren't. I was a little young to remember all the details, but in the late 60s and the early 70s, uh, the U.S. was really in huge turmoil. There, I mean, I didn't realize it then. I'm, I'm, what, 14 years old in 1970? Do the math and figure it out. Uh, but I remember second grade getting the news in class that our president, John F. Kennedy, had been assassinated. A president killed. A, a sitting president. There, there, we, were, we were with huge tensions with Russia. A few years later, John F. Kennedy's brother Robert was, a, was killed. Martin Luther King, who was standing up for civil rights brilliantly and boldly and beautifully declaring the need for civil rights, a man with a dream. He'd been killed. The Vietnam War was underway, and it just looked like there was no end in sight. And kids were rebelling against society and just checking out of the establishment with sex, drugs, rock and roll. That's what they were living for. I mean, it was a dark day. And out of this environment of darkness was born the Jesus movement. And I just want to say, our message is Jesus. <laughs> He's what we have to offer. He's what we need to offer. He's what this world needs. And I, don't, I can't say that I am seeking for a revival like the Jesus movement because I don't think God replicates himself. But what I do know is this world needs Jesus. And people need Jesus. And I I know from this passage that we're looking at today that eyes are blinded to see him for who he really is. And I want to suggest to you something. All great awakenings that God has ever ushered into where the lights have really come on and light always shines out of darkness, it always seems to happen in the darkest days have all been set up by a praying church. Because the battle for the souls of men, for the hearts of men, is a spiritual battle. And I, we're not gonna, you're not going to win people to Jesus by winning an argument. You, we're not going to win people to Jesus just because our church is structured well or we've got a great sound system, or great video, or great kids' ministry, or great student ministry, or that we hear helpful, inspiring messages. I hope all that is who we are. But I honestly believe 
Where we are today, right now, this moment of history, that one of the greatest contributions we could give to the glory of God and to the salvation of mankind would be a pretty massive prayer effort. Because that's where the battle is won or lost. That's where the battle... Now, our church is going to have a a strong 21 days of prayer that's going to start on August 21st. We're going to meet five days a week, and we'll let you pray on your own on Saturday. Some of the prayer meetings will be in the morning. Some of the prayer will be in the evening. But I just, I'm, I want to plant the seed in you now. If, if, if we can't just keep saying amen, the church should arise We've got to arise, and we've got to pray, and we've got to seek the face of God. Who knows? In, in the almost 27 years that our church has existed, I would say thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people have walked through these doors. But here you are for such a time as this. Here you are, if you will listen and hear, being called to not just attend church services, but to be a part of that prevailing intercessory prayer army that causes light to shine out of darkness. Come on, anybody with me on this? The battle is spiritual. The work is spiritual. Ephesians 6 says this, verse 12. We're going to pray in just a minute. Our struggle, our battle, our, our warfare, our work is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Come on. They're the work of removing the blinders born out of a prayer closet. The gospel, the good news, is veiled outside of a revelation. I want to pray with you today. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, as we come before you today, we look at what's going on around us and We just know that you have a plan. And at the center of that plan is always the person of Jesus. And we ask that you will help us not miss our moment. It's our turn now to stand up, to see those blinders come off, to see those veils removed, to see a massive outpouring of people coming to know Jesus. Use us like never before. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, can I just take a couple of minutes? If maybe you're here today, you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know that I've ever really given my heart to Jesus, but I know I need to. Or maybe you're here today and you used to be close to him, but you're not now. 
Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. But if you say, I I just want to know for sure that my life is in the hands of God, would you pray with me? And maybe more important than me praying with you is you just signaling to God. I would like for you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to open my life up to God. Is there anybody in this room that says, I need Jesus? I want Jesus. I want to pray a prayer. I want everybody to pray this with me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I know I've sinned and I'm coming to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today, I receive Jesus as my Lord. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.